Uncle Roscoe trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dowstock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host. Greg Carrasco. having such a big big impact on you just shows you know you're human you know and it, it it's emotional sometimes why not you know we hide away from things but you know i can tell you um i'm going to start the Carrasco show this morning with an advice to men all around and you guys are going to argue with me about this i don't care well you can call me and argue 289-275-9600 men don't cry so don't and especially don't cry in front of your girl in front of your girl. Don't do it. Don't. It's, it's, it's not a good thing. You know, society is telling you to be vulnerable and stay in touch with the feminine side. Like, stop it. Just stop it. Don't do it. Lex, don't do it. <laughs> I'll try. Um, it's, it's, it's not a good. No, no, no. Don't do it, man. Stop yourself. Don't do it. Boys, man, don't cry in front of your girl. This is a bad idea. <laughs> Ah, uh, if you just tuned in, folks, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. We broadcast live here from the last independent stronghold of radio, the last place in Ontario in which we can have an honest exchange of ideas, and nobody tells us what to do. The reason why I left the last network is because I refuse to be censored. I'm sorry, you know I can't have the Greg Carrasco show without my thoughts in it. 
What's the point? The point is to have an honest conversation. That's what we try to do. Although we are the largest automotive radio show in the country, talking about cars has gotten kind of boring over the years, especially for people that work in the car industry. This is all we do. All we do all the time. Saying that, I will always give precedent to somebody that has a car question. You have a car problem? Call me. Are you looking at buying a car, selling a car, leasing a car? You need me to help you make a decision? You want to know what your trade is worth? And there's a lot of funny business going on with trade appraisals these days because the used car market is up and down and customers have no point of reference anymore. And believe me, Auto Trader is not a good point of reference. Neither is Car Guru. So stop it. You cannot go to Auto Trader and decide what your car is worth. That's not good. You know, even if you don't buy a car from me, come and see me. I'll appraise your car. I'll even make you an offer. The only condition is that you need to have a thick skin. Because if you don't, you're going to get your feelings hurt. And I don't care about your feelings. Nobody cares about mine. Especially the basement dwelling, knuckle dragon, mouth breeding troglodytes without girlfriends that uh, listen to the show. The, the one who sends you emails. <laughs> <laughs> he cracks me up. I love him. I love him. Uh, what, what do you call him? The, the, the basement dweller? Is base, yeah, he's the basement dweller. <laughs> and every morning, he's my biggest fan. You know, I love you, man. It doesn't matter what you say. That's why he probably uh, types on his keyboard so much. He's had to replace all the keys, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> no, and he's just he is so happy when I make reference to him. But, you know, his name will never be said on the show. No, he, he, he doesn't won't. deserve that honor. No, 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 no. But, you know, it's funny because uh, it, it just tells me how much he loves me. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is. Um, <laughs> he's obsessed with you. You know, his obsession. You know, I um, I want to send you a picture of me signed to my biggest <laughs> to, my, to my biggest fan. I'll send it to you. No, but you see, I promised that I wasn't going to respond to his emails anymore, and uh, I, I'm gonna I stick to my promises, so I won't. Okay. But uh, I should, you know, send him a signed copy of my picture. Yes. Put it put it in a frame too, so we can hang it up. <laughs> he can throw darts on it. You know? <laughs> you know, all those serial killer movies that have, you know, the, the picture of the man they're trying to kill, you know. Yeah. And then the a... eyes are missing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that that is what the basement dweller has of me in his basement. <laughs> I I'm sure he doesn't have just one picture. I'm sure he has a collection. Oh know? boy, yeah. In all the stages of my life, you know, all my hairstyles, you know, he's gonna find there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's okay. But anyways, folks, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, and this, brought, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Uh, for those of you that don't know, and you should know by now, I live at this place, uh, except Tuesdays. Tuesdays, I do laundry. So don't come and talk to me on Tuesdays. I'm, I'm busy. I'm doing things. I see my therapist in the morning. Then I sit on the couch contemplating life <laughs> with a box of Kleenex immediately after. I've tried to figure things out. It's okay. You know, I, I decided some time ago that I needed a, a, a mental tuning. But uh, I don't know, for those of you that follow me on social media, um, I was listening to this book um, that I haven't finished yet. It's one of the, uh, the five books that I have in rotation right now, which is called Your Next Five Moves by Patrick Bet David. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. And uh, 
I was listening to one of his podcasts and he was wearing a T-shirt that had a hashtag free will with a picture of Will Smith crying. And uh, all the proceeds from this um, T-shirt purchase or sales, we're going to go to a mental health, you know, <laughs> effort. So I got my T-shirt. So I, uh, I think that we should all take a moment of silence, like a second to think about Will Smith and uh, wish him mental health healing we should <laughs> wish him healing and i also offer him a, a lifetime of free jujitsu lessons so he can defend himself at home <laughs> <laughs> he might have to <laughs> uh you know he needs to get out you know he needs to get out clearly somebody else is calling the shots there but um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna start the show with a quote and then we're gonna take a short break and then we're gonna dive right into the car industry and i know folks i'm gonna bore you for a few minutes on the car industry but i think it's going to be a pertinent to you because this keeps coming up time and time and time and time and time again and it seems like i, I can never really explain it eloquently enough for people to understand this at a dealership level and at a customer level what happens when you buy a car and that contract so we're going to touch on that on the other side of the break. But before we go there, um, you need to know this. You know, this show is always, always, always dedicated to the outcast, to the silent intellectuals, to the nerds, to the broken and the lonely, to the quiet badass making it happen, to the stoic sufferer whose world just fell apart and they just find a, the will to just keep on pushing. I see you, savages. You know who you are. I see you. Quote, An alien tears will fill for him pity's long broken urn. For his mourners will all be outcast men. And outcasts always mourn. I saw that at Père Lachaise cemetery in Paris on the tombstone of Oscar Wilde and it just stuck you know you hear things sometimes and they just penetrate your dermis your epidermis they, they penetrate deep into your core and it was one of those ones let's take a short break Lex we're gonna be right back <laughs> Rumors spread around In that Texas town About to shack outside the game You know what I'm talking about Just let me know If you wanna go To that home out on the range They got a lot of nice girls Across the street, it's the cars that have to look both ways. <laughs> I'm Chuck Norris, and you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Hi, guys. This is Roberto Alomar, and you are listening to the one and only the Greg Carrasco Show.
You can still make a difference. You can still live on the rest of your day. You know, this is something that we, we all need to take a little bit more to heart. You see, starting from this very second, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're drinking. Hold on, sir. Let me take a sip of this elixir, elixir from Saturday mornings. Nice Gatorade, Greg. <laughs> it's a funny color for Gatorade. <laughs> You know, starting this very moment, your future, listen to this. Lex, listen to it. You should, you know, we're talking about inflatable dolls during the break. So, you know, <laughs> Lex, just listen to this. Your future is spotless. You haven't made a single mistake yet. You haven't had a single cigarette for the rest of your life. You haven't put any Twinkies any donuts, any two-liter bottles of Coke in your system. This moment, you are perfect. And every single second, you have the opportunity to say, you know, no more, no more, no more. Like the best basement dweller just sent me another email saying that, uh, I do have a house and uh, I do have a girl. But we were debating the, 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 the kind of inflatable girl that uh, the basement dweller has. Yeah, which model, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lex, you seem to have experience in this thing. So, you know, it wasn't the, uh, the expensive really? kind. It was the... Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea, apparently. <laughs> no, you know, to the basement dweller, you know, inflatable dolls don't count as a girl. I'm sorry, man. I he, know you. Man. <laughs> he, he can't marry an inflatable doll. <laughs> you can actually. You can marry anything these days. But uh, no, man, we uh, we see you. Man. It's OK. It's OK. Yeah, you do. You do have a house. Yes, yes, yes. You, you, you do have a girlfriend. Of course you do. <laughs> of course that's, you do. That's totally a real thing. It's not it's not imaginary. <laughs> it, it is not. But anyways, folks, if you have anything to say this morning and you uh, you want to join the conversation, 289-275-9600. And uh, we will give a set of AirPods to the best call of the day. So if you have anything to share with us, just call us. Now, you know, if, if the calls are not interesting, I, I, I'm not going to talk to you. Just, you know, just make sure that you have something interesting to say and we can we can expand on the topics of the of the show um a big shout out to my partner luis costa professor uh, the main professor the only professor the most dangerous one of the most dangerous humans that i know uh for octa bjj we uh, we open for business guys we are open for business at octa bjj and uh, the number of members that we have is something that we would have never imagined but uh it was going to happen it was inevitable so we are open for business uh, Louise and I's workday now went from eight or nine hours a day to 14, 15 hours a day. <sighs> Mopping the floors, disinfecting, disinfecting the school every single day. We take hygiene at the school so seriously. Uh, you know, we, we found uh, a medical grade solution that uh, we use on our mats every single day after we vacuum up everything that's there because, you know, you have people rolling on the floor, you, they leave residue, dead skin cells. It happens. It happens. So we clean that up every day. And at work, at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, the payment vacation is going strong. Strong like bull. So if you're looking at buying a used vehicle and uh, you want to have a payment vacation, you come and see me. If you have good credit, you can get up to six months of no payments at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. 
And uh, my summer car is out, Nick. So when I drive you home after the show, uh, you're going to be getting into a, a nice sporty car for the summer. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm really excited. <laughs> she's white and she's convertible and it's beautiful. <laughs> I, I remember which model. I, can I say it? <laughs> no. I, okay. You, you can if you want, but uh, yeah. you know, you've seen it before, no? No, no, never. Yo, you never seen it. I, but, uh, you've, you've mentioned it to me, but yeah, uh, no, I've never seen it. Obviously, I've, I've seen the G Wagon, but yeah. not that one. Yeah. Hey, stop giving my secrets away, man. Sorry, Don't say those things. Sorry. I have enough haters already. But uh, <laughs> anyways, so folks, you know, this is something that I need to touch before you go into your sales meeting, because if you're listening to the show, you probably work in the car industry. And yes, I love you back. You will never admit this out loud, but you listen to the show. And uh, we need to discuss this morning what to do when a customer wants to cancel or a deal or wants to change a deal by removing products that they bought in the business office. This is a big point of contention in the car industry. Big, big, big one. Because you can never find people that who agree to what needs to happen. And in my world, and normally, I don't deal in absolutes because then you put yourself behind the A-ball and you, you complicate your life for no reason. There is no never or always. Those things don't exist. We live somewhere in the middle. <sighs> what do you do when a customer wants to cancel a deal or they want to remove products that they intentionally and voluntarily purchase from the store? And in the dealership, created that transaction based on the conditions and the terms that the customer agreed upon just the day before. So I want to take you through a couple of the points that uh, are very, very important. And folks, if, you, if you're ever looking at buying a vehicle, this is very important for you to understand because whenever somebody wants to cancel a deal and they come and see me, I always enter the room apologizing. And my apology goes a little bit like this. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> okay, here you go. Hold on. <clears throat> I'm so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry because normally I'm a pretty nice person, and at the end of this conversation, you will not think I am. But it's got nothing to do with what I've done. It's got to do with something that you're trying to do. So you cannot cancel a deal in the province of Ontario. End of story. End of story. I don't care what you feel like. I don't care how much you change your mind. I don't care how much buyer's remorse you get. I don't care that you went home and said, oh, my Lord, what did I do? That is not a problem that should come ever in a conversation between you and your dealer. Because you see, as, a, as an adult, as a, as a, as a sentient being, we trust the fact that we're dealing with someone that can actually make a decision for themselves and they will keep their best interests at heart. We trust that you keep your best interests at heart. So on that basis, we go and enter a transaction in good faith. So when we are dealing with you in good faith and we trust that you are a mature adult, that you can make a decision on your own. You're over 18, you have a job, you live on your own. You don't need a co-signer. You can buy a car. You can make a decision. Boom. You sign a bill of sale. And at the bottom of every single bill of sale says this sale is final. Before you sign, 
Make sure that all the terms and conditions that you agreed upon with the dealer and your salesperson are written in the contract. If it's not on the bill of sale, it didn't happen. End of story. If it's not on the bill of sale, it didn't happen. You can't show up at a dealership three years after you bought the car and say, oh, you know, the salesperson, the salesperson promised me that uh, uh, this uh, I was going to get free oil changes for life. What? What? You remember what your salesperson said three years ago? Hell, I don't remember what I said at seven o'clock this morning. I've said so much. So that's why the contract is such an important aspect of the transaction at your car dealership. A contract is your insurance. It's an insurance for you. So you are given everything that was promised. And it's an insurance for the dealer to make sure that nobody claims that they were given something that was not in the contract. That's why you should not get married without a contract. Folks, get a prenup now. Do it now. Whatever you're doing, stop listening to me. Go find your lawyer. Get a prenup. Run, run, run. Don't, don't walk. Run, just run. <laughs> Shut the radio off and go. Call your lawyer now. Get a prenup. All right. So here we go. Number one, nobody has the right to cancel a deal at a car dealership other than the general manager of the store. Period. No salesperson can cancel a deal. No sales manager can cancel a deal. No GSM can cancel a deal. No F&I manager can cancel a deal. The general manager of the store should reserve the right. If there is ever a situation in which you have to do this, the only person that has and should have the authority to cancel a deal at a car dealership is the general manager. Nobody else. End of discussion. You cancel a deal and you're not the GM, send yourself home because you're about to. Write yourself up and bring your reprimand letter to me and I'll sign it for you so we can put it on the file. Because you're about to. At least you should, unless you have a spineless management team that is unwilling to take a stand. So at a car dealership, no one. If there is ever a situation in which a deal has to be canceled for whatever reason, Nobody should cancel a deal other than the general manager of the store. End of story. Number two, and this is, is something that we need to take into consideration, and we often don't pay attention to this. But listen to this, folks. If the bill of sale is not 100% accurate, your deal is not 100% safe. What does that mean, Carrasco? I'll tell you what it means. It's like a parking ticket. If the parking ticket has a wrong plate number, what is going to happen when that ticket gets to court? What's going to happen, Nick? Sorry, say that again? You're not even paying attention to me. Nick, I'm going to stop talking to you. So I'm going to talk to my imaginary friend. My imaginary (laughs) friend pays attention to me better than the person that's sitting across the street. You said something about the parking ticket having the wrong number. I did hear that. What happens if a parking ticket has a wrong plate number? that, you know, the wrong person is going to get the, the parking ticket. No, you see, life experience uh, for Nick is, uh, is something that is listen, like, I, I Jody, we need to help I him listen, with this. Listen, Greg, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I don't own a car. <laughs> I wish I did, but I All don't. right, hold on a second. Who that I have on my actual Zoom call right now, Lex or Jody? Lex, what happens when you go to court and the ticket has the wrong plate number? They can't charge you. He gets thrown out of court. Mm-hmm. Get out. So the same thing happens with a bill of sale. 
So if your bill of sale is not 100% accurate, your deal is not 100% safe. So before you as a general manager, as a sales manager, as a salesperson, as an FNI manager, before you put your signature at the bottom of that page, you need to make sure that everything is accurate. Otherwise, that bill of sale means nothing. Number three, you cannot, I'm going to repeat this, you cannot change a bill of sale after it has been signed. That's what the signature means. That is the last thing that you see in a contract. Usually, that's the last thing that you can actually really write on it. There's nothing else because that's what ends the contract. That is what solidifies it. That's what makes it bonded. That's, that's a bonded contract. So you can, after you sign that bill of sale, everything that is in there becomes a legally binding contract in the eyes of the dealership, in the eyes of OMVIC, in the eyes of the law, and it should be in the eyes of your personal decisions. Because what happens, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, if the dealership sells you a car for $20,000 and then tomorrow they say, oh, by the way, the price went up to $23,000. Can they do that? No. So you can't do it either. I don't understand people sometimes. Now, if you want to argue with me, call me. 289-275-9600 is the phone number. Number four. There is no cooling off period on a car purchase. You know, if somebody comes to your door, how are you this afternoon? Um, very well, thank you. <laughs> um, would you like to purchase a series of, of Encyclopedia Britannica? I, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, well, <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> I love the impression. <laughs> Um, we, we can sell it to you and um, you can keep it for a trial. Uh, and then, you know, within a week, you have a week to, uh, to change your mind. Well, that sounds about right. Maybe I'll read about birds. <laughs> I, I love that voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Oakvillites. No, no, no. Oakvillites uh, doesn't sound like uh, No, no, no. Oh, no, no. No, I don't I won't do that. But you see, when somebody comes to you and they try to sell you something, then you have a cooling off period. And that, that varies, uh, you know, between industries, I guess. If somebody's trying to sell you a Bible. I love when people come knocking on my door. <laughs> I think that's a question a lot of people ask. Because if someone's there that they don't recognize and they have a clipboard, it's like, what are they trying to sell me today? Well, but, you know, it's, it's fine. And, you know, I love when Jehovah Witness comes oh to my, my house, God. man. Oh, yeah. I talk to them all day long. Did you know? So, you know, Prince was a Jehovah's Witness, uh, oh, Prince, the singer. And he oh, apparently boy. he actually... When he was alive, he went to people's houses, to their doors himself with his limo. Like he would come there in his limo and try to talk about his religion. Really? Eh? Yeah. Oh, if Prince came to my house and we wouldn't be talking about that. <laughs> no, I, I would not introduce Fred him to my inflatable right doll Lex. So don't get any ideas. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so if somebody comes to you and they try to sell <laughs> and they try to sell you something at your door. So they, we went to you to sell you something. Apparently, uh, according to the Better Business Bureau, I don't know, there's, there's some entity that manages this. You have a cool enough period, but you got to remember this. We didn't go to you. 
So when you come to the dealer, you came to us to buy something. You came to, uh, you know, to us to get information, maybe to go on a test drive, maybe to look at different models and take a test drive and see what it feels like to be inside one and smell them and touch them and all these, these other things. <sighs> you can't do that with inflatable dolls legs. But uh, anyways, the, uh, when you do gee, that and you gee, come to us. Throwing me under the bus here, man. <laughs> you were the one that. <laughs> I, you're the one who brought that up. I talked about something no, no, else. It was the basement dweller. But uh, we, 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 need to, we need to blame the, the basement dweller. What is the name of this uh, a video game character that you that you love, uh, Lex? Can you Can you tell us? Okay, her name is Tifa Lockhart. She's from Final Fantasy VII. One of the great. And here's the thing: she's beautiful, but she's one of the best. She's one of the greatest characters in all of gaming. Her character is probably the best character in all of video gaming history. He is, uh, folks. You, this is, this is great radio. You know, somebody throws himself under the bus. He's in love with that cartoon character. I love it. What is that called? Anime? There's, there's another name for that. Uh, well, this is, I don't know. It's, this but, is from a Japanese uh, role-playing game. Of course it is. <laughs> but anyways, we digress aggressively. So let's just, let's just bring this back because we can talk about this forever. So there is no cool enough period on the purchase of a vehicle. When you go to a uh, automotive establishment and you decide to come in and sign a contract, guess what? You own that car. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. And you can't change the contract afterwards. So you can't come in tomorrow and say, oh, by the way, I, I think I'm going to stay. You can't, you can't do that. You are going to put the dealership in a very tough position in which they have to say no to you. And a lot of people in this entitled North American society, they don't like to hear the word no. I'm entitled to a yes. <laughs> I'm entitled to change my mind. I have the right. How dare you? <laughs> I am offended. I'm, I'm going to condemn you on Twitter. I'm going to cancel you. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you can't do that, you know. And unfortunately, you see, a lot of a lot of businesses take the high road when it comes to this sort of thing. And, you know, customers are mostly wrong most of the time. And, uh, uh, you know, somebody came up with the idea that the customer is always right. And no, you're not. No, sorry. No, you're not. Most customers are wrong often. We try to help you. And we, we often see that you're making a mistake and we, we try to save you from making a mistake, but you don't listen to us because you think that we have an ulterior motive. And if the ulterior motive is to sell you the very thing that you came to buy from us, then what do you want me to do? Uh, you know, <laughs> this is so crazy. I don't like going to car dealerships because salespeople try to sell me a car. <laughs> then why are you going in the first place? <laughs> I'm sorry. Say that again. I don't like going to car dealerships because the salesperson is trying to sell me a car. <laughs> I feel pressure. <laughs> Folks, that's, that's their job. <laughs> that's what you find when you go yeah, into a car dealership. And, and if you don't want that, why are you going in the first place? Listen, I don't like going to Longos because they keep trying to force me to buy groceries. <laughs> I don't like going to Starbucks. There's coffee everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, no, there is no cool enough period here. So, stop it. Next point. There's only one answer that needs to come out of a salesperson's mouth when they are asked by the customer if the deal can be canceled or can be changed. <coughs> okay, I'm going to repeat this. 
And a lot of people don't know how to say this. Okay. A lot of people don't know how to say this. So we're going to do, we, we're going to do it as an exercise together. We're going to do a collective exercise on this. So a customer calls you and says, uh, yeah, uh, Bob, you know, that car that I bought yesterday that uh, you had in stock and uh, I, that I needed desperately and uh, that I convinced you so hard to try to sell me. Okay. I want to cancel that deal. And the salesperson says, uh, wait, what? But you, you, you wanted that car. What happened? Well, you know, I went home and talked to my uncle uh, Tom and my uncle Tom said that uh, it was a bad idea. What, what does your uncle Tom do? Well, he, he really does nothing. Uh, he just like watches YouTube videos on buying cars. And uh, he told me that I was making a bad decision. So you, you, you really didn't do anything. Somebody told you that you made a bad decision and you say, okay. So anyways, so when, <laughs> when a customer calls you and they ask you to cancel a deal, uh, if you're a salesperson right now and uh, you're listening to you listening to this voice, you know I'm the voice of your conscience, and you know you you you've been in front of a customer that's asking you to do this. This is what you need to say, okay? And 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 just repeat after me because this is going to help you in life, in many many other instances. So take a deep breath and say the following word. No. That's it. That, that's it. You don't have to say anything else. You don't have to give an explanation. You don't have to, oh, well, you know, that is, you know, under the eyes of the law, you know, I can't say this. I can't, we can't do this because the contract. No. Just say no. Just cold, unemotional, not involved. No. Don't be aggressive about it. No. And, and don't say, you know, there are two types of no. Eh? You know, when somebody asks you something, if you say, you know, Greg, did you ever date that girl? If you say no, it's, it's a different thing than when you say no. <laughs> we all know what that means. So, you know, don't, don't leave it hanging. It's not going to be a no. Or, or like, no. <laughs> hey, that's another one. Sure. But no, this is very simple. No. You cannot cancel the deal. For why? I mean, what are the reasons why you can't cancel the deal? For the reasons that I've been talking about for the last 20 minutes. If you just tuned in, folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco show. This is the sales meeting hour of the car show. It's brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. You have something to say, call us 289 275 9600 is the phone number. Lex, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. I guess I wasn't feeling okay. I thought that space and time went back and forth and sideways I'm putting advice all over the place I guess it knocked me sideways Oh, she made me go uh, uh, uh. When I cross the street, it's the cars that have to look both ways <laughs> I'm Chuck Norris, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. 
Hi, everybody. This is Haley Wickenheiser, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Lex's girlfriend. Her name is Tifa Lockhart. She is perfect, according to him. And I listen. I'm, I'm not going to debate this with because wow, uh, honestly. You know, um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Tifa Lockhart, according to Lex, is the swift definition of female and feminine perfection. I have a question. Do you think before marrying her, should he, should he get a prenup? With- <laughs> I think he should have a prenup if, when, when, after you marry Tifa. Uh, she, <laughs> you never know, man. She might take more than half. But, you know, it's, it's well, she is actually very much committed to just one man. So she wouldn't be marrying me. And it's not you. Oh, dude, man, I'm so sorry to hear His this. name is Cloud Strife. Oh, oh no. no. Does he have a six pack? <laughs> yes, he does. Of course oh, he does. No. They always do. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, let me give you some advice. Like, just find a woman that you totally hate and just give her your house. It's going to be easier to deal with. <laughs> it's going to be easier to deal with. That, Believe that me. It's like a very specific situation. Uh, no, it just, that's what, that's what will happen. You know, the person you marry is not the person you divorce. So don't get yourself confused. Don't I know it. <laughs> the best phone call of the day is going to get a set of AirPods 289 275 9600. And we have. Anthony on the line. Anthony, thank you for calling the slacker himself. How can I make your life better this morning? Morning, Greg. Uh, Long time listener, and I have been listening over the years. Thank you, man. Thank you. We love you back. You're going to put me to the in a second. Yes. (laughs) So I got this call from my dealership. My car was in for servicing. Uh, I had some rattling sounds. I have an X1 BMW. And uh, I'm really thinking about, you know, options of getting rid of it. But Anyway, get this call from the dealership saying they want to buy it back with this, you know, long story about, you know, how there's a shortage of cars, your car is in demand. Anyway, what's the end game plan here for them? Obviously, to buy, for me to buy another car. But if you can give me that power of having an invisible brake grasp behind me when I go in, yeah. what questions should I be asked? Like, what, what can I get out of this knowing between you and I that I, I actually do want to get rid of this car? Well, look at it this way. The uh, the truth is that um, uh, I think that as a society, we are always questioning the intentions of a car dealership. Like, for example, people question the shows. I go, what are you trying to do? Sell me a car? Of course, I'm trying to sell you a car. <laughs> so what is, this is no genius, right? So dealerships right now uh, are going through a tremendous struggle. Uh, just to give you an example, Anthony, when I took over the company at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, if I'm not mistaken, there was almost 1,200 pieces of uh, inventory on ground. 
We had 1,200 cars on ground, okay? Yesterday, we had five. <laughs> so there is no product. There is no product to be had. So dealerships are going out to their customer base and saying, look, man, if you want to sell your car, this may not be a bad time. Uh, we will buy your trade. You will get top dollar for it. The only trade-off is that you you will have to pay top dollar for the next car that you get. It's the same thing with the housing market. Yeah, it's great. It's all well and good right. that your house is appreciated by double thanks to Mr. Trudeau and his um, failed you know, financial policies and whatever. So – you know, it's great that you're going to get a million dollars for this, you know, $300,000 condo. But when you buy another house, you're going to have to pay more. So, you know, so long right. as this is a calculated decision, the only thing that you can have as a, as a secret weapon in your arsenal, Anthony, is to know what the, your car is worth in the open market. And there is where I come into place. Because uh, when people come and see me, I will tell you what your vehicle is worth. So then that way you have a point of reference. The, the issue is that when people go into dealerships, they're given numbers of values on the trades and they have nothing to compare it to. So, you know, you ha- there's no way for you to know, oh, this is amazing. Or mm, maybe they're taking me for a ride. You see, there was another listener, Anthony, that uh, came by the dealership a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he had been given $19,000 for a RAV4. I can't remember the year. And uh, we run it through our systems and the vehicle was worth 25000 so the dealership had underpaid him by $6,000 and he was about to sign the deal. I said, dude, don't. So, you know, right. the only promise that I asked him to make me was that, you know, allow me to buy the, the vehicle. I'll give you the $25,000, $26,000 the vehicle is worth. Don't let that dealership give you more money or match my number and give him the business. They were trying to take that car away from you. But I never saw him again. And unfortunately, people's words don't mean anything these days. So, you know, that's the only thing I can tell you. So if you want to have like a secret, an invisible Greg Carrasco on your shoulder helping you out, come by and see me. And I won't charge you for this, Anthony. We will tell you what your vehicle is worth. So that way, you know, if the dealership is giving you a good price or not. Does that help you? It does. It does. And I've always remembered you saying over the years that as whether it's leasing or financing, I've already invested in that vehicle, so that's something else I need to consider. Of course, and what, that's what money that I okay. What is the uh, what is the year of the car? Twenty nineteen. And what uh, what kind of car is it? It's a X one BMW X one. Uh, how many kilometers do you have? Uh, Forty five thousand. Why do you want to get rid of it? I. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's that's what I'm fighting with. I mean, no, but you know, I mean, it has you, a warranty already. You must have a reason as to why you don't want this car anymore. Uh, I, I I don't like dealing with the dealership anymore. So uh, change I've the dealership. To, yeah, that's what. And I didn't realize that that was even an option. It is. You can. I thought you, I had to deal with the dealership. You don't have to. That I bought it. You don't have to deal with the selling dealer. I mean, if they don't listen, you know, service business is a privilege. It's not a right. I, I strongly yeah. advise everyone to service their vehicle from the dealership they bought it from. But if they don't do something to earn your business continuously in, in the future, just move. Go to a competing dealer and reward them with better with the good service. You know what right. I'm saying? And, yeah, but, you and know, that's e- definitely something. Either way. Come and see me. I'll tell you what your vehicle is worth, and uh, maybe we'll have a longer discussion, and um, I may knock some sense yeah. into, your, into your life. But thank you so much for the phone call, Anthony. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, man. You see, this is how we change lives here, folks. 
You know, this is the Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. We try to keep it light. We try to keep it engaging. We try to keep it entertaining. Our money Mike is going to be on the other side of the hour. And uh, <laughs> we are going to be talking about some sensitive topics. <laughs> when you combine finances and relationships, ah, <laughs> uh, this should be fun. Hey, for some of you. No, no, don't put the music on yet, Lex. We're not going to go to a break for another three minutes because I need to finish this up. Three minutes, three more minutes. So we were talking about, um, you know, what to do when somebody tries to cancel a deal. So I have, you know, three more very, very quick points. Um, a salesperson cannot and should not remove any F&I products from a bill of sale. That's a very, very bad habit. Uh, if uh, if so, they should, be, they should be written up. A salesperson should not give the, the consumer the idea that this is even a possibility is not because now you're changing the structure of the transaction. Maybe, maybe the deal was sold on the basis that there was those things in there. So you are altering the dynamic, the chemistry now, it may not work. So as a salesperson, don't, don't do this to your coworkers. It's, it's not fair. Sales managers don't do it either. Don't be selfish. Number seven, customers should read the bill of sale thoroughly before the sign. And the store should make sure that everything is understood in that bill of sale. This is something you do for the customers. It's a service to the customer. Go through each and every one of the items that appear in the bill of sale. Go and make sure that all the promises that were made are written there, that all the contracts, all the products that they bought is already there, the extended warranty terms are there, that the warranty started at the right time when the customer thinks the warranty started, and so on and so on and so on. This is how you help protect your customer and you protect the store from three years down the line, somebody coming down the pipeline and saying, that was not explained to me. So don't do that. Don't. Just don't. It's not nice. And the last but not least, and this is the most important lesson, and I've said it so many times, even in this show, at the beginning of the show, I, I said this. This is something that um, we should have as a plaque. We should, we should write it down. There should be quotes, you know, Gregisms. You know, my, my best friend, Kurt, I, you know, he's my best friend, but I'm not his best friend. It's okay. You know, the best friend spot was already taken. He always makes fun of me when I quote myself on my Instagram account. He doesn't like when I create quotes. You see, I love quotes. I am a living, walking, breathing encyclopedia of quotes. But you see, it's gotten to the point that now I create my own. And he makes fun of me saying, you can't quote yourself, Carrasco. That's not cool. I don't know why. I'm struggling with that. He activated all my insecurities. But this should be written in every single sales office in every single showroom of every single new and used car dealership across, across the country. And this is what it say, quote, if it's not on the bill of sale, it didn't happen. End of quote. Greg Carrasco. That's who said it. That's right. That's who said it. Folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And uh, we are so happy to come to you every single Saturday morning here. Saga 960 AM, the last free radio station for us to talk about whatever we want. Hey, hey, 289-275-9600 is the phone number. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Let's take us to a break and Money Mike is in the house on the other side of the hour. Hey, baby, when you walk that way, watch honey drip, can't keep 
What's up, sports fans? Forrest Griffin here, and I want you to check out the Greg Carrasso Show. Check him out. Greg and the gang. Uh, yeah, enjoy. It is time for Greg Carrasco. Kick it. Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasso Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. Being a poor man, and I choose rich every f- time. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. The Benjamins, baby. Uh huh. Yeah. The Benjamins, baby. Those who know, know. This song means your financial consciousness in the house. Your life is about to get significantly better. He's gonna slap some common sense into your finances, whether you like it or not. And he's a beautiful man. You should see him. One of the best looking dudes that I know. His wife Andrea, you're a lucky girl. <laughs> She's gonna send me a text. Say, what are you talking about, Greg? Money Mike is in the house. Money Mike, it's good to see you, man. How are you? It is good to be seen. It is good. I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. We've been really, really busy. And when the weekend gets here, I get to catch up on a few things, get a little yard work done, which I don't care for, but it's got to get done. Uh, everything is great. That's good. How about you? Yard work. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the condo must really be affecting that. Uh, you know, this hard. is the reason why I'm here. I um, uh, The notion of having a house in a long, you know, lush like a golf green yard and the white picket fence or the split rail fence. It's so romantic. Nice. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want it. I don't want to cut the grass. I don't want to be fighting the wolves 16 hours a day, six days a week. And then on the weekend, I get to be the donkey that cuts the grass. (laughs) I don't want to do it, man. And also, Greg, you don't want to shovel the snow during the winter. That's worse. Well, you know, listen, you know, if your girl is a, is a badass and she's going to work and trying to, you know, conquer the world with you, 
No, man, I have no problem just brushing, you know, the snow off her car. No problem shoveling the driveway. You know, that's a that's a good exercise. So I, I take that as physical activity. It know? is not good exercise. It's horrible exercise. Bite your tongue. No, 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 no. It's, it's great exercise. And you know how many guys die of heart attacks shoveling the snow every single year because they do nothing yep. else? Sounds, <laughs> sounds like great exercise. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, I um I have had the unfortunate um, reality over the years in, in my career of having to visit a few clients literally on their deathbeds. Not one of them has ever said to me, I wish I mowed the lawn a few more times. I wish I could just shovel a driveway one more time. But you see, I don't miss it. I will not miss it. <laughs> I will leave it behind. Oh, man. You know, I, I look at death with such different eyes than most people, man. It's like this, it's a happy spot. You, you're liberated. You don't have to pay bills and listen to politicians and be stuck in traffic. And, you know, like you can't sleep at night. And as you get older as a guy, you need to get up and pee like 10 times a night. It's like, what? Who signed me up for this? Uh, Greg, I, th- I think the, the fear of death really is the fear of the unknown. You know, it's because we don't understand it. We don't know for sure what happens after. You don't. So you go to the same place where you were before you were born. That, we, that's the end of the story. Know, we don't even know where that is. <laughs> and anybody that tells you otherwise is lying to you. Right, Mike? I, I got no opinion on this. <laughs> no opinion on this. Eh? So, you know, you you came with your guns loaded and you are opening up a can of worms this morning that if if all of you listen to my show for years and years and years, which I know you do, I think that you're going to enjoy this. Can you, you know, set the premise of what you want to talk about this morning, Mike? I, I think I've opened myself up for some ridicule on this topic, knowing my, <laughs> my the host of the show here. Uh, yes, discussing financial advice for a happy marriage number one is there such a thing as financial advice absolutely no, happy yeah, yeah yeah no no we're going to talk financial advice that's what i do greg i talk financial advice all the time it's real smooth, smooth. it's real <laughs> grab a hold so oh boy uh, i need a drink also never mind i have one already um so okay let's <laughs> Let's discuss this because I, I do feel that uh, you see when you when you dating people, uh, the first thing that needs to be you know discussed is your credit rating. So <laughs> if I'm going to be out into the dating pool and you have less than an 800 credit score, I'm not talking to you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not mm-hmm. here. I'm not talking mm-hmm. to you. Uh, what do you think? Uh, do you think that that's a reasonable expectation? I think that is a perfectly reasonable approach if you're looking to date a financial statement. Uh, aren't we regardless? I mean, my buddy Luz Keys has always said that, you know, choosing your 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 husband or wife uh, or your life partner is the most important financial decision of your life, isn't it? Agreed. Agreed. But, you know, you, you got to keep in mind that people are coming into a relationship with completely different backgrounds the the reason that brought the two of you together is is hopefully some sort of shared commonality on a number of issues to to go beyond that and to to move to marriage i think financial is absolutely critical to discuss i i I wholeheartedly believe that it it can't be the the main foundation of a relationship because then it's a partnership and you get a business partner Ah, uh, yeah, but you see, and, and, and here is here is where the problem lies, because uh, if you if you start dating somebody that doesn't have a good credit rating, you see, credit rating is is, is like a fever. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, fever is not the problem in itself, but is is a side effect of a bigger problem. It's a symptom. Absolutely. It's a symptom. Yeah, it's a symptom of a bigger yeah. problem. So, you know, somebody that has bad credit. Now, there are some life things that happen to people. Sure. Unexpected, but it's mostly just an excuse because I know very, very, very many people that have gone through divorce and bankruptcy and all sorts of different things in their business and whatnot, and they still manage to have good credit. So, right. you know, once you make a decision that you're just giving up on life and don't want to pay your bills, that's a whole different set of uh, conversations that need to be had with someone. But, it you is. know, credit rating is the most important one for me. Now, for you, you're the expert here. What do I know? I don't know anything about relationships. So talk to me here. Um, you know, financial advice for a happy marriage. You know, you, your son, your daughter is about to get married. What advice would you give these people? Well, you know, understand that a lot of this comes from now 26 years of providing advice to people and and getting let behind the curtain of the great and powerful laws. Uh, I get to see how people have done things. I get to see the people who have done it well. I get to see the people who have not done it well. And, and I try to dive into why that is and, and get an understanding of, of how it all started. So I am not a marriage counselor. Uh, I am speaking just from the experience of counseling married couples on their finances. And, and so I, I think the first and the most important point from the outset, if I'm speaking to you before you're getting married, uh, and, and most of these points are for once you are married, but the first one before you were married, You've got to get on the same page. So you need to discuss your finances. And I know there are, are some people, the way they were raised, and there are some cultures where that's a taboo topic. Man, I can remember driving home from university um, with my my father and, and my girlfriend at the time and bringing her to tears because of how openly my father and I discussed finances because her family just didn't do that. So, yeah. So, you know, everyone's got everyone's got that that difference. Uh, Family history with money is a big contributor. So when you talk about people who have bad credit ratings or bad money skills, what were they taught? You know, did their parents and I guarantee you, because, again, this is what I've seen. Every person who's really bad at managing their finances came from a household that is really bad at managing their finances. Yeah, and that, that's a terrifying thought, Mike, because often this, uh, this money management patterns are so deeply ingrained into the behavior of humans mm-hmm. that uh, if somebody is a spender, um, the chances are that that's not going to change unless some radical uh, indoctrination and training is taking place. Like, let me give you an example. And okay. uh, again, uh, one of the reasons why I love this show so much is because we can have this honest conversations. And uh, I had that problem. I, you know, I grew up without parents. I had no idea what it meant to manage my money. I, I didn't even know how to write a check. And uh, when you, when you start pushing, because, you know, like me, there are many people, many guys that are so unbelievably insecure and we never feel that we're good enough. And you would just drive and drive and drive and start conquering something. And we earn money and that we confuse like I've said to you before, our ability to earn money with our ability to manage the money. And they're often yep. not the same. Yep. So I was making really good money, but I was spending even more than good money. Yep. So I, I had to put myself in check in a way that 
was uncomfortable. Like when I met Mike, uh, you know, Jody, Jody's online with us right now. When I met Mike, I was very, very uncomfortable because, you know, the one thing that I do know about myself is this, that, you know, I will spend it. If I have it, I'll spend it. <laughs> I, I'll contribute to the economy. No problem. I will not. I will not be denied. You know, that's a typical, that's a typical immigrant thing. Such a good citizen, you know. Yeah, I'm a good citizen. I am putting money back into the economy. I, I, I you know, the yeah, world. After then you can earn it. <laughs> Justin Trudeau is going to send you flowers and a box of chocolates. Don't don't say that name on the show. Man. He's Voldemort. He, he must he must not be named. But anyways, so when 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 you came into my life, and I'm so very very grateful that somebody like you came into my life, you had to put me in a program that was very very uncomfortable, because now I had to limit what I was doing. And uh, you know, as I was saying before, I, I knew that I could spend it, but I also know that I always pay my bills. Like I, right. it was a thing. So if I could overcommit when it comes to me paying something, like for example, if I got a loan to invest, I knew I was going to pay that loan because that's just me. And uh, you know, everyone has a different way to manage their finances, and I think that's where you come into place. No? Yeah, yeah. And 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 so understanding that way and the origin of the way is important. And you know, so if you're already married and you never had that conversation to begin with, it's a good time to to break it out now to say. Tell me about your family history. And that's why I don't think uh, credit rating is is the the foundation of it, because as as we said, if you came from a house that didn't know finances, you did not know finances, but you can be taught. You can learn it and people can can adapt. So you need to discuss your family history understand where people are coming from uh, with from the money perspective, disclose all your debts. You would be surprised the number of people who get married and then they find out, oh, secretly their new spouse had these debts they didn't tell you about. That's a good question. You know, how important is it to disclose everything you owe with someone that you're thinking about getting married? 100% critical. You're bringing two households together. And and so, you know, if if you're going to say what yours is mine and, and, and what's mine is yours, that that's the good with the bad. So you can't keep that information secret. It is just guaranteed to cause hardship in the future because it's going to come out. It's going to come out. There is no secret plan to pay it off before my spouse finds out over three or four years. Is, is it an easy way to ask that question? I mean, how? Uh, OK, um, you know, you're beautiful. I love you. I, I want to do this. I want to I want to jump out of the plane with this parachute that may not deploy 70 percent of the time, but uh, I'll do it with you because I love you and feeling is a reliable uh, reason to stay with you forever. Uh, by the way, how much money do you owe and to whom? <laughs> well, you know what? Where do these conversations come up? They come up when you talk about getting married and you think, well, if we're going to get married, if we're not already living together, we're probably going to start once we get married. So where are we going to live? What can we afford? Oh, what can we afford? I guess we got to understand how much money we make and what our obligations are to determine how it. So it's about doing a financial review. If you're going to get serious in a relationship, you have to get serious about your money. It's part of the picture. You need to plan together. And that's going to get into the second point. But, you know, something you had said earlier, we do also have to recognize there are differences. Some people are spenders and some people are savers. And I, I, the thing that I've always found so fascinating, because, again, universally, it, it has been true. Every couple that I have seen together, 
bring different skill sets and personality traits to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Really dull people marry, tend to marry more exciting people because they see something in them that they say, I wish I had that in me. I'm really attracted to you because of that trait. Spenders are attracted to savers because they're like, damn, that saving thing's important. I I need to to get somebody who can do that because I won't do it on my own. And so, you know, the whole opposites attract thing, it's not so much about opposites. It's about you're bringing different skill sets to the relationship. And I'm attracted to that. You know, Mike, I need to stop you with this. But you see, that's a problem. That is a big problem. You think so? Absolutely. Because opposites attract until they meet and then they keep on going in different directions. No, 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 they don't. Do it. We're talking in in relationships here. And I can tell you that um, because I am terrible at them, uh, I, I have been able to learn things over the years that I have tried to do and they don't work. So, you know, there are so many things that I know now that I, and I never knew before. And what I can say to you is this, like, for example, you know, don't marry the person you love. Absolutely not. Marry the person that loves you. That's that's the number one advice that I have to give everybody. <laughs> don't marry the one you love, man. You are going to, you're gonna, you're gonna get your heart broken. Don't do it. So marry the one that loves you. <laughs> you're better off that way. Uh, but when it comes to finances, you know, I, I, the, the one thing that I can tell you is that if you, we are attracted to the opposite side because savers wish that they could spend their money, right? You yeah. know, but you will. <laughs> you you absolutely will and then next thing you know you're gonna say what did i do well i i think if it's a healthy relationship i think that the differences between the two of you have to affect each other i'm i'm not i am not appreciating and admiring the the qualities of my wife without having them affect me and so i think spenders learn from savers and i mean if you have two savers in a relationship, they are going to build a a tremendous net worth far greater than they ever need to spend because they're never going to live a life. If you have two, if you have two spenders in a relationship, you'd be broke. They, they will join hand in hand as they walk down to bankruptcy. And so I I think there's, it's about recognizing the power that those differences bring to a relationship that they can both benefit you. I am a huge saver. And I would still have a card, not a cardboard. I would still have a, a two by 10 plank held up by two milk crates as my living room table. If I was left to be to my own devices, why buy a living room table? I'm going to save some more money. And it's I like, you know what? Cheap. You know, let's just call <laughs> it for not, what it is. It's man. not about you cheap, are, man. It was a cheap. building wealth. And my wife says, <laughs> no, you know what? That, that doesn't qualify as furniture. So you're going to live a little bit uh, nicer home uh, as a result of, of my tastes. So the saver needs the spender to actually enjoy a little bit of life along the way, but they have to affect each other. But though, being different in that way, it can be a positive thing, but you got to discuss it. Bring that to your marriage together. Do you think that people that are considering tying the knot should yeah. have a financial counselor before they get married? I I think they should have a, a financial advisor at every stage in life. So, you know, I have had meetings in the, the these last couple of years, a tremendous number of meetings with the children of clients of mine. 
some of them still single, some of them in relationships, some of them newly married. Um, there's never a situation where you can't benefit from the advice from people who've been, who've, who've come before you and, and been through what you're going through. That's a, that's a fascinating thought, folks. This is a, this is life advice that is invaluable. You know, this is the sort of thing that no one taught us when we were growing up, or at least nobody taught me. And, uh, it's a very uncomfortable conversation to be had with your children, with your spouse, with your partner, whoever you happen to be dating, because, you know, your sex life and your finances are some of the most private things that most people have. And we're not we haven't been conditioned to be open and discuss uh, what the needs are, what the requirements are and what uh, the, the, the proper action plan is to take forward. If, if this is going to be a successful relationship in any way, shape or form. Money Mike decided to open this can of worms this morning, and I love him for it. You are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show, and this morning we're talking about financial advice for a happy marriage. If there is such a thing, call us, 289-275-9600. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity, and we are Canada's largest, largest, largest automotive radio show here on Saga 960. Lex, take us to a break. We'll be right back. Hey, hey, what's up, Toronto? When the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks under his bed for me. Ken Shamrock here, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hello, Toronto. What's up, guys? This is Vito Belfer, and you are listening to one of the toughest guys on air. Greg Carrasco Show, man. Congratulations on your show. I wish you all the best. Toronto. Stay safe out there. God bless you, man. This is Vito Bell for the Fina. Ready to strike. Let's go. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? And still there never seems to be a single penny left for me. Like we often have twice a month, my personal financial advisor, my secret financial weapon, the guy that single-handedly was able to change my financial future. I kid you not, folks. I Many of you think that I'm using hyperbole to describe somebody that just works with the show. No, I know this guy. He was the MC at my last wedding. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Oh. <laughs> I kept them in the divorce. <laughs> Actually, you were the only thing I kept in the divorce. <laughs> You're one of my most precious possessions, Mike. Oh. And you don't belong to me. But either way, <laughs> he... He managed to take, you know, a pretty accomplished executive. And yes, I'm speaking about myself. I, you know, I've accomplished a lot of things in my life. But, uh, you know, he, he managed to take my finances to a place that I never knew I could. I never knew uh, I should. <laughs> and uh, like, like myself, he has been helping many, many, many of the listeners of the Carrasco show to get the finances straight, especially high net worth people that uh, you, you may be sitting on a pile of money and you don't know what to do, or you simply are dealing with a financial institution that doesn't talk to you. Um, Mike is the type of people that will go in there, have a conversation with you and discuss with you as per the direction. So if you want to reach Mike, you can find him on moneymike.ca. Again, it's moneymike.ca. Or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762. 905-320-6762. Or you can call the show now, 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. And I strongly suggest you folks that if you happen to have kids that are in the process of getting married, that are dating, that you know eventually are going to end up tying the knot with somebody, the number one, they listen to this episode of the show and soon to be podcast because you can find the show on a podcast format on iTunes, Spotify and Google podcast. Give them a copy of this. Let them listen to Money Mike and his sage advice in relation to finances for a happy marriage. You know, the odds are against you. So don't let finances be one of them. Am I wrong, Mike? Finances is a big contributor to the uh, the downfall of many a marriage, for sure. So, so we're, we're through, trying to lessen that. You know, number two, you know, plan your finances together. Get on the same page. We talked about that. You know, yeah. create goals and what you're trying to accomplish. Elaborate on this because, you know, everybody has different goals and we all want to do different things. So how do you get on the same page? Well, you, you have to talk about what each of you individually and the two of you together are trying to accomplish. Um you have to create those goals together. You can't be working in opposition. You can't be working in opposite directions. Anytime you dedicate your finances toward one objective, that's money that's not available to reach the others. So you have to talk about this stuff, create a budget, build an emergency fund. And once you've done that, what, you know, what are we dedicating toward our goals? Build that plan together and you've got to review it regularly. You know, hopefully you're putting it down on paper so that you're sticking to it. You're you're uh, mindful of it at any time. You can you can go back to what was written and, and just give yourself a, a little checkup to make sure you're still on pace. But you've got to review it regularly. Do you think that if you married a spender, you should put them on an allowance? Well, you know what? The, you're you're jumping into uh, point three, which okay. which is a oh, great segue it, huh? to it. It's it's a great segue. Okay, you let's are do it. you are going to merge your finances when you get married or as a married couple. Let me break the illusion right now. You are no longer roommates. Stop treating each other that way. You have to merge your finances. That means from a planning perspective. Um, I highly recommend everything should happen on a joint basis. Everything goes into the joint bank account. You pay the bills. You decide the plan with that money together. There are, 
there are some times when when finances are kept a little bit separate. But you you talk about putting people on an allowance. Absolutely, both of the members of a marriage should be on an allowance. <laughs> okay, you should <laughs> you should agree to how much spending money each of you have. I I need to I need to start with this. Yep. Uh, look. Yep. Uh, let's 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 be honest here. Yeah. Do you really think that is the best idea to join finances? Yes. Because I at my at my stage of the game, I'm not going to be at the same stage of their game, and uh, they're going to be some serious discrepancies. Why those? You, do, huh? Why are you saying you can't get a partner who is equally contributing financially as you are? Why would you be at different stages? <laughs> Is your you, assumption is that, that is, is, is that a trick question, Mike? Do you really is your assumption that? <laughs> that the only person you would enter a relationship with is someone who needs you financially? No, absolutely not. But okay. uh, the the earnings that we are contributing into the relationship are going to be significantly different. What? Well, significantly different? Yes, significantly oh, different. There, there is something we we need to boil down to a whole psychology there again. Why are you saying you can't get in a relationship with someone who's financially successful? Uh, define financial success. How do you define it? Based on uh, income level, right? Well, I mean, I- income level is certainly, uh, you know, a, a yardstick for you to measure okay. uh, where, you know, the, the capacities are. But, uh, you know, if, if you don't, if you know, if you don't date or you are not with someone yeah. that has an equal contribution to the relationship, then they don't have as much to lose if it doesn't work. You see, because yeah. I, you see, I am a, I'm like a beaten dog that was rescued from the pound. All right. <laughs> I'm always looking at it. What if it doesn't work? Because yeah. so far it hasn't. And uh, because I happen to be by look, I am a very grateful and fortunate person because I am the higher earner. I always end up being the one that pays the most and I'm not going to put myself in that position anymore. And, and so you're hitting on one of the main reasons why people do keep their finances separate. Um, self-employed people or business owners often keep their finances separate from the family because it, it it's a roller coaster and they don't want to affect the family that way. And they got to try to find a way to, to merge it together and, and do things together. Um, someone come in, comes into the relationship with, with a lot of debts, as mm-hmm. you said, whether from bad habits or just from, from bad luck in business. Um, so sometimes they have to keep it separate because of the, the, the risk of, of debt exposure. Some people have different habits um, and oftentimes the biggest one is you get to second marriages, you know, two people coming into a relationship who've been in other relationships before, and they're coming with different financial baggage, whether it's debt, whether it's uh, support obligations, um, whether it's just simply we're bringing in a different level of assets into a relationship and we want to preserve those for our our kids. And now we're going into a second marriage. I've got to protect those. There's lots of reasons why people keep them apart, but for ultimately for, for a marriage to be successful, you have to merge the finances. Uh, Again, it's not a business partnership. And so these are some of the things if, if you're, maybe you only have one opportunity in life to do this in earnest out the gates. And that's when you're young and you get into a relationship and neither one of you has anything. Um, because later in life, if it's second marriage, you're bringing different baggage. I recognize all oh, that. But, you I know, recognize. This is a very complicated 
a conversation to be had. Yes, it is. It is a complicated one because yep. the truth is this, that I, you know, I have been out of a marriage, you know, you know, in the traditional form of marriage. I've been in relationships for a long time, but uh, not married, not yeah. because I'm afraid of commitment. I'm not afraid of commitment. Look at me. I'm covered in tattoos. I put stuff on me that stays forever. So I, I'm not afraid of committing something for life. What I'm afraid of is divorce. Yeah. That's the reason why I don't want to get married or I have been reluctant to do so. Because if you happen to be a high value person, whether it's a high value man or a high value woman, yep. you will lose. The system is rigged. So, so. How- so- Greg, maybe the person who's ultimately going to blow your socks off is uh, for you, the woman who comes to you in the relationship and says, listen, we need a prenup. And you're going to be like, damn, I like that. Maybe that's what's going to do it for you. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> but that, that's why reasons the people keep it apart. But But yes, I do think you have to have an allowance, if you will, don't call an allowance, but you each have to have your own spending money. Mm -hmm. You both have to have money in the relationship that you need to answer to no one about spend it how you will. But if you're married, you have to agree on what that is. You know, I've seen relationships where one spouse earns twice as much money as their partner, and therefore they have twice as much spending money. You're just going to create resentment that way. Because you're suggesting I'm I'm I make twice as much. My money is twice as important as yours. I'm carrying twice the workload. And so you think you that can, regardless of the uh, income, everybody should have the exact same amount of amount of money to spend in a marriage? Absolutely. Yeah. Because do you think because I make more money than my wife that I contribute more to our family in every aspect? Or are there areas where she contributes more than I do? I don't think that there is. I don't think raising children, thing. raising children. Do you think I contribute equally to my to my wife? If he wasn't. Well, yeah, you do, of course, because if you weren't producing what you're producing, whatever she's doing, she couldn't do. There's division of labor is my point. OK, so you and both so, contribute equally. So, no. So I bring more money to the table. She brings more of so many other things to the family than I do. And I put a value on that. So, so yes, we're equal. So we have equal spending money. Okay. You see, I don't want to create, you don't want to create resentment. What are you going to do? You get to the 20th of the month and the partner who earns less has spent all their spending money and you've got money left. What are you going to do? I'm going out with our friends on the weekend. You stay home because you spent your money already. No, you're, Mm. you're, you're a marriage, you're a partnership. You know, Mike, I think I'm going to have you back on the show and we're going to have a relationship show, not a finance (laughs) show, because right now you are slapping me with the logical financial, um, (laughs) which is the part that I I love you for. But uh, okay, so, you know, the reason why people keep finances apart is because they're self-employed, the business owners, uh, because of debt. Uh, Can you explain that debt? Well, debt will make you keep the finances apart. If you've if you have debts that you are tied to either because you brought them into the relationship or maybe your business is exposed to those debts, you don't want to expose your partner to it. That's a very common thing. 
uh, that people say, if my business fails, I'm on the hook for this. My spouse doesn't need to be. So we're going to keep our finances protected from that risk exposure. That's So that's fairly common, especially with my business owner clients. So we've got to recognize some of those realities. As much as I'm saying you need to merge your finances, there are reasons why they can't be from time to time. That is so, fascinating advice, yeah. folks. And uh, if you uh, look... One of the reasons why I, I love Mike and, and our relationship has lasted this long is because we have the ability to disagree on things. We mm. we we come from completely different perspectives on this, and uh, my life experiences are certainly different than his. And uh, to tell you the truth, I, ha- I have to say that I do envy his position because I I you know growing up without parents and such a thing i you know i wish that i had you know a wife and kids and that white picket fans that everybody wants because i do conceptually agree on the whole notion of marriage so he has what i want um i don't know if it's the same for him but you know (laughs) that's a whole different conversation and i think that these are important discussions that need to be had especially when you are in the process of joining forces with another wonderful human that you've decided to spend the rest of your life with you know nobody marries somebody to divorce them so we we have to trust the process and i these are important conversations that we need to have with not only our loved ones in the romantic sense but with our loved ones in the in the genealogical sense or in the familiar sense, you know, your kids, your your cousins, your your family members that need to have somebody they look up to when it comes to making rational financial decisions. And that's the reason why Mike decided to open this kind of one this morning, which is a crazy one. But uh, anyways, this is Money Mike. If you if you need to get a hold of Money Mike and you need some advice in relation to this, if you have some investments that you need some help with, you can find him on moneymike.ca or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762 or you can call us live here this morning, 289-275-9600. You are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And this morning we have Money Mike, my personal financial advisor here on air, talking to you, giving you some wisdom when it comes to finances. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And we are the home of the No Commission salespeople. Lex, take us to a short break. and We'll be right back. Darcy Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. My dad told me Saturday mornings used to be for watching cartoons, and now we have to listen to this guy? My name's Lily, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show! That's the way you do it. 
of keeping the content going because this is a juicy, juicy segment. <laughs> Probably one of the best segments that we've ever had for so many different reasons. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Although we are Canada's largest automotive radio show, we have my personal financial advisor, Money Mike. You can reach him on moneymike.ca or you can call him after the show at 2-905-320-6762 or you can call us here live on the show at 289-275-9600. Uh, he is the only person that I allow to touch my money, period. So if you happen to be sitting on some money, you have an investment, and you need some actual advice from somebody that has a proven track record, reach out to her. He'll change your life. You know, she, he actually literally changed mine, and I'm not using hyperbole to describe, you know, a, a mundane situation that took place between Mike and I. He literally changed my life. And... Uh, that's what I try to do here on the show. Just bring people that are important to me because of we all need mentors at one point, And he is most certainly my financial advising mentor. And uh, he's talking this morning about financial advice in, you know, for the purpose of having a happy marriage, although happy marriage seem to be mutually exclusive, but you know, that's a whole different conversation, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, talk to me. I mean, plan number four of this, and we only have a few minutes to finish this and in yeah. it, I have to thank you, Mike, because you have stirred me up. You have stirred me up in a way that that I'm interested in having an honest discussion about finances when it comes to dating somebody. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard. And, you know, I, 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 when I say a high-value person, I'm talking about, you know, men and women. I mean, I, I had an ex-best friend because he was an ex-best friend who's – who was a kept man. You know, his wife was just a badass. She she was just killing sales across the country. And this girl was a high-earning beast. And when they got divorced, she lost everything. He took yeah. most of the stuff that belonged to her. And, uh, you know, I, no one really talks about that sort of thing. There are many, many women that suffer this situation. And uh, I think that from, you know, from a financial standpoint, it's very important for us to remain cognizant and aware that uh, if you happen to be a high earner, you are putting yourself in an interesting position whenever you get into a marriage situation. That's why this conversation is so important to be had. And I'm sure that you get exposed to this all the time, Mike, no? I'm, I am part-time financial advisor, part-time marriage counselor. That's when it comes to finances, you would not believe the number of conversations I have in my office, sitting at their kitchen table, whichever, um, where things are being revealed that they haven't revealed to their spouse until I'm sitting in front of them because they're hoping I'm going to be the uh, I'm, I'm going to be the, the person that keeps the conversation safe and, and protects them. And they, they need a little bit of support to, to reveal what they've been up to. Finances uh, is an important is an important factor. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Let's, let's open the discussion. Right? So how do you plan for disruptions? Because disruptions, as we know, will happen. It's not that yes. if they happen, they will happen. How do you prepare a young couple? 
that don't know anything about anything. They think they know everything, but they know nothing about nothing. Again, How this do you isn't them for that disruption. This isn't about young couples. This is about couples. Because or couples I, in general. I mostly deal with with people who've been married a long time. I deal with people who are in their fifties and sixties quite routinely. They need to have these discussions. And there are some disruptions you can't plan. You're driving for. me to drink, Mike. <laughs> there, there are disruptions that happen that that are sort of critical events that pop up. You can't plan for things like losing a job or losing a spouse. Right? You can't really really anticipate those things are going to happen. But there are some disruptions that you can plan. And these are the ones that I'm talking about. One of the partners going back to school. One of the partners deciding they're not happy with their career. They want to change jobs to one where they earn less or cut back their hours. Uh, Talking about early retirement. Talk about whether or not you are going to have to care for one or the other's parents. And that may mean disrupting your ability to earn while you do it. These are things you can plan for. Um, One of the big ones, which I always ask in meetings with my clients, are you ever going to become financially responsible for one of your parents? Mm. You know, get it out on the table. Should this be a part of your financial plan? Because it's going to affect the family. Have that conversation with your partner. You guys are in this together. Uh, so those are what that's what I mean for planning for disruptions is things that can can disrupt or derail your financial plan that in the back of your mind, you know, it's going to be an issue. But, you know, your financial advisor just said, how much do you guys make and what do you want to invest? And they never really got into the meat of what are the things that are going to affect your finances. So have that conversation. Having kids. Oh, my God. What a financial <laughs> disruption. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say it's a 23-year commitment, folks. Just, you know, don't kid yourself on this. 23. It's 23 years because uh, uh, the law is a very, very funny thing these days. And uh, I'm going through it myself, I can tell you. It is when longer you, than 23, Greg. Uh, my, what's that? My, parent, my parents are, are virgining on, on uh, or burgeoning, I should say, burgeoning on 80. They never stop being parents. I'm coming up on 50. I'm still their kid. Okay. So you see, it's a big commitment for the rest of your life. There is where the jaded side of my, the cynical side of Greg comes into place. You know, I keep thinking in how long you're financially responsible to your ex to pay for the children. That's I never stopped being a parent. Yeah. You know, in fact, I have written on me that I'm a dad first. It's, it's, it's on me. It's, it's something that I, you know, when I get up in the morning, I see it every single day. I'm a dad first. And uh, I have taken that role very seriously. And as you know, ever since I spread up with my ex-wife, I have never really lived closer than a walking distance from my kids. Never, because it's never further than never further than a walking distance. Yeah. Never. You've always than been, a walking you've distance. always been close. That's right. So, you know, I. I see my kids every single day so long as I can uh, for the very simple reason is that we need more dads in kids' life these days. But I mean, that was a personal choice that I made. But yeah. saying that, I don't think that uh, the financial implications of having a child is always often discussed when it comes to uh, early relationships and early marriage because you know you just don't know what you don't know. I mean, the, there is the unknown and the unknowable, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. plan it. Talk about it. I think that talking about it is what this is how you get to conclusions. This is how you get to consensus. And finances are such a sensitive topic to have with someone that you are looking at having a long lasting relationship with that often we make the mistake of not having uncomfortable conversations for the fear of 
making ourselves uncomfortable in the courting stages of our relationship. Did you find that that is a, that is often a case at every state? It's not just courting. There are, are plenty of people been, been married 25 years who don't want to have awkward and uncomfortable conversations because out of fear of hurting or, or making their, their partner upset. Did Get I just date it. myself by saying courting? <laughs> I no. did, didn't I? <laughs> uh, the, some things about the good old days are still good. You yeah. should be proud that you listen to a guy that knows what the word courting actually means, considering that I'm an ESL. But anyways, Mike, dude, I love you, man. I love you. This was an important show to have. And I'm surprised that it took us this long. And I thank you because I had no say on the topic of this show uh, this week. You came Neither up did I. Neither did I. Don't thank me. Thank Andrea. It was her idea. She's my producer. Ah, that's awesome. Andrea, (laughs) we love you right back. The Carrasco Show loves you. Uh, Folks, you were listening to my personal financial advisor. So if you are in desperate need of help, um, or maybe you just need a change, reach reach out to him, moneymike.ca, or you call him at 905-320-6762. And if you need to show um, a copy of this uh, this show to somebody that you care, because, you know, there's a lot of people that we care about and that no one ever listens to this or no one really wants to talk about this, and it's really important. Um, subscribe to the podcast. You know, you can find us on iTunes on the Greg Carrasco Show or Podcast. Um, Spotify or Google Podcasts, and you're going to find an, uh, a version without commercials. There are no breaks, so you can just it's just straight out content. Subscribe, and you're going to get it weekly. Money Mike, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I, I love you, and thank you for having that discussion. But I'm going to call you on this. You and I are going to have to have a show on relationships. No, on relationships, on air. You're here. not going to be able to hide right. behind your financial certifications. We're going to talk about the <laughs> intangibles. We're going to talk about the subjective. We're going to talk about the, ah, we're going to leave it for interpretation. That's where I'm going to bring you to my arena because there's where I live. I'll Money be there. Mike, I love you. Love Thank you, you too, Greg. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Folks, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, and that was Money Mike. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no-commission salespeople. Lex, take us to a short break. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture, and if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. It is time for Greg Carrasco! Kick it! Whoa, it's The Greg Carrasco Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this like go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Show is beginning, it's too late to escape. 
escape, let's go. Here's your host, Greg Carrasco. And we're back. If you are just tuning in, you need to know this. Whether you like it or not, you're part of Slacker Nation. Slacker Nation is a group of people that have been listening to the show for the last 13 or so years that see the world in a similar way. And uh, for the most part, they just get this content every Saturday morning and they agree, they learn something, we laugh a little bit, we cry sometimes, and uh, we share experiences. And I, I think the world is starved for actual honest conversation. We are so afraid of having a conversation about the things that truly matter these days that uh, we just don't. We shut down. We... We are afraid that we may say the wrong thing to the wrong person and just be canceled simply because you thought a certain way. I made a decision a long time ago that I was not going to be offended. That's it. Why? Because being offended is a decision uh, and I choose not to make that decision. When I get offended, nothing happens, really. Nothing has happened. You just are offended. Okay. So you see being offended as like a waste of time. Of course. Hmm. Of course. It's a waste of time. You know, I, I think that most most feelings are a choice. You know, there are some things that, you know, come from trauma and other things. And my sister could always talk about this forever because she is the genius and I'm not. Um, but I think that uh, for the most part, we need to choose better. You know, the only secret of life is that many, many things are just nothing more than a choice. You know, I posted something on Instagram a little while ago, Lex, that uh, got a lot of responses on uh, on social media that said, what you allow will continue. <laughs> I don't know. It's a pretty simple thought. But if you allow it to happen, it will continue to happen. End of story. No doubt. If you allow somebody to treat you bad, they will continue to treat you bad. <laughs> well, in the end, you just have to, you you have to strive for, for better. And, you know, if you're not satisfied with, you know, your life or, you know, what you're going through or your situation, then, you know, you got to try, you got to try to improve it because if you keep accepting it, then nothing's going to change. It, it never really does. Do you, does that resonate with you in any way, uh, Lex? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I made the decision to go into broadcasting six years ago and it was probably the best decision of my life. And it improved my life in so many ways and it brought back a lot of things that I thought I'd lost, but I'd never have that unless I made the decision itself to actually pursue this, this line, this path, this dream of mine. So go ahead, Nick. Yeah. And you know, it was a similar thing for me. You know, I went uh, before I got into radio, before I studied, uh, started studying radio at Hummer college. Uh, you know, I was in university and I was studying something totally different and you know i i became unhappy with it i lost motivation for it and i just wasn't satisfied with the life i was living so i said hey you know what and when it comes to career you know i you have to go for something that 
that, you know, you're, you're going to be passionate about and that's not really going to feel like work. And that's, and you know, radio was always on my mind. And so I went for it and I've, and I, honestly, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Well, I, I think that a lot of it comes down to the fact that you know society these days is um, is restricting our expression. We we are afraid of saying out loud who we are. We have repressed, depressed, oppressed our you know our internal emotions we we just don't talk about it we we we're afraid of you know explaining to the world who we are we want to we want to standardize we want to encase everything that we do even even our art you know there are art classes and i never really thought about that how that makes sense and you know on that same way i i brought to the show and, and she is with me now um you know i think that um i hope that we can hear of uh, Flaka, can you hear us? Are you there? I don't know. You can speak out loud now if you want to. Say hello. Hola. Ah, there you go. There she is. Okay, hold on a second. So who we have on air right now is um, is my sister. She, um, ah, you know, when it comes to genes, uh, you know, some people are genetically gifted and some people are genetically um Screwed, for lack of a better word. Well, she, when it came to her and I, she was the one that genetically gifted. So she came with the looks and the brains in our family. Um, you know, my sister is not only my best friend, but I think that she's one of the most amazing humans on, on the planet. Um, uh, I have on the line here my, my sister, my, my only uh, full-on sister. We have many half-brothers. We come from a different country, and, uh, you know, our parents make different choices. But uh, Flaka. Thank you for joining the Carrasco Show. How are you this morning? Um, I'm happy to be here and listen to your voice. Hola, Manito. Uh, how are you doing? You know, it's impossible to talk to you and not want to cry. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I kind of feel a little bit of the same. Interesting. I'm well, so happy to see you there. It's happy to see you, but uh, you know, uh, we we were talking about earlier how society some somehow have, has found a way, has managed a way to repress our you know our expressions, the way that we feel, the way that we express ourselves in relation to the world, and uh, you know, you as an as an author, as a painter, as an as an artist, um, do you feel that that rings true? Um, absolutely. I think uh, we start being shaped from very early in our life from different way in, from different sources. Um, I feel happy to say that at home, at least, I wasn't bothered very much by by my art. But everything started when I started going to school. Mm -hmm. So I remember feeling very proud about my drawings. And one of the first things that happened when I got to school, it was they said, mm, what are you doing? You shouldn't be drawing. You should be learning this and this and that. When Or what I wanted was to draw. And then the second thing that happened is that they they said to me that my drawings were not, uh, didn't look like they, they should look. So from my classmates, I always had a very good feedback, but not from from the school system. So that went repressing me little by little. And though I like my drawing so much, I like my art so much, 
I ended up not drawing and not doing any form of art by 18 years old. So definitely I felt that the school system uh, somehow tried to just match my expression. Uh, and and that definitely, I know it happened to, to most of us. So how did you manage to keep that, you know, artistic side of you so alive, so connected? Because, you know, in, in my world, and, and I was talking about this at the beginning of the show, uh, I see the world through color. I see the world through music. I see the, the, the world through poetry. And, and I, I know that you are the exact same way. It's just that some to a certain degree, it was almost killed within me that I feel I feel afraid to show the you know my my expressions and I, I I paint quite a bit not as much as you do clearly but and not as well as you do but you know how did you manage to to keep that artistic side of you alive? Um, well, as no, I, I'm not that strong, I didn't. I couldn't keep it alive. It uh, it went uh, dormant. They they put me to sleep because I noticed that this. Uh, culture in this culture is all about you being sleeping and following instructions because okay. if you are awake it's really hard to do that and i i live like that since i was 18 years old until thanks to you we moved to canada and then all of a sudden i was removed from everything i knew and it was just me and myself and the first time I grabbed a pen and drew again, I had a panic attack because I wasn't supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. That wasn't supposed to be done. I was supposed to be busy doing uh, productive things, not drawing. That's what I was inflicted in my brain in the end. Um, so the first drawing I did at 33 years old, listen, I stopped doing it when I was 18 um, and I went back 15 years later. Uh, I hid it for a while. I didn't mm -hmm. want anybody to see. And I grabbed um, a, a notebook again and I started writing sentences. But at, at the same time, criticizing myself for doing that. Uh, so hiding everything. I hid my drawings and my poetry for many years. And, and it wasn't until... I was working at the supermarket here, the superstore. And when I you was first drawing. moved here, right? When you had just immigrated to Canada, that was your first job. I mean, it was a minimum wage job. And you were working at the grocery store at the superstore here in Dundas and Trafalgar, right? Yes. I was working at Delhi and I was because, okay, that was productive, right? Yeah. So I was sitting in a corner doing a drawing and one of my co-workers look at when to look at me without me realizing and she's like oh my goodness you're so good and i, mm -hmm. I hear the drawing and i'm like this is and and then she said you should go to college here and do art mm -hmm. and then for the first time i felt again good about what i was doing but i needed someone else um, to tell you to to, to, to tell me yeah and also when i when i decided to go to college it was because I, I was so I had so much lack of confidence in my drawing and my art that I thought, well, maybe in college I'm going to learn how to be a good artist. To my surprise, I, well, I worked really hard to be accepted there. And when I got accepted, 
it happened that I was one of the best ones. <laughs> and that sometimes teachers would put me to, to show others how to do things. So I needed to, to get into a big depth just for me to know that my art was good. <laughs> Does that make any sense? I don't know. No, it it does indeed. But, uh, you know, you write poetry, you write songs, you compose your own music, you you do your paintings. Uh, you, <laughs> there are so many layers to the artistic side of you, to your self-expression that it, you you are impossible to ignore. So, you know, what I want to know, and this is something that came up as an idea a little while ago, um, you came up with an idea is a, is a business and uh, that involves communication and painting at the same time. And I, and I know that a lot of people here have been exposed to this in the past, but can you tell me a little bit about what this friends and paint idea means? You know, especially during this time in which we were um, going through so much stress, isolation, loneliness, um, one of the things that kept me sane, it was my art, right? Expressing my emotions, my feelings and all of that. And it's been really sore or painful to go around and talk to people and they see themselves as unable to do these things. Just the way I felt in between my 18 years old and 33 years old, I'm not good at that. I shouldn't be doing it. It's a waste of time. Uh, well, you don't you don't even think about it. You just don't do it. And and when people say to me, "I'm not good at that," I immediately know that they probably were good at that, <laughs> and they uh -huh. were told they were not. And and so I started inviting people. I started a, a few years ago bringing children to my place, to the basement, and just paint with them. Because um, parents, I, I'm part of a homeschooling community, right? So parents started sharing with me that, oh, you know, my child likes to paint a lot, but then I took her to an art class, and now she doesn't want to paint anymore. And I thought, okay, bring her to me, because maybe I can, I want to keep that. I want to bring that back. I don't want them to feel that they, they don't want to do this. So they started coming, and my technique to to do to to do art with them with them it was not technique because children know they are art because art in the end is is our soul is an expression of ourselves that can't be wrong. This the, the, you cannot do a drawing or a painting or anything related to art that is wrong. Um, that it doesn't feel someone taste. That's a completely different story. You cannot have an art teacher because you are art. That is my experience. That's my understanding. And while raising my child, I could see that all along. So I, I brought those children here and it wasn't magic. All of a sudden they were enjoying art again because they could do what they wanted. I called this activity Art Club. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't going to be the teacher. I was just going to be painting with them. And if they mm -hmm. wanted to learn something from me, they would watch me. You know, and, and I, I speak about this in personal experience because uh, uh, we often, as a family, we get together and we paint. <laughs> That's what we do. Uh -huh. And uh, we, we do two things as a family. We 
we get together and we talk about life and we try to solve the problems of the world. And so sometimes that gets us into trouble because we discuss sensitive topics often. And uh, but the other thing that we do is that we get together and we paint and uh, this, this sort of camaraderie, this sort of communication and in uh, bond that happens with people when they are together in a self-expression mode because you need to be in in a specific mindset when you are allowing yourself to be open up open enough to put your feelings into a canvas into color so you are in a receptive mode that allows emotion allows kindness allows a friendship to to come in would would you say that that is a that is an accurate assessment flaca Absolutely, because uh, one of the reasons why I didn't want to do uh, pain night before, I was invited to do one long ago, and I learned that pain night, it was about an artist going and doing one paint and ask people to replicate what they're doing. And mm -hmm. I did it, and I felt it wasn't me. I'm not saying that it's a wrong thing to do. I'm pretty sure artists, some artists enjoy doing that, but it wasn't for me. So I didn't want to continue doing that until I I felt exactly what you're saying. But pain night can be used for healing as well. Mm -hmm. If my approach to it is um, is open, just like I wanted, I wanted to be with uh, for me. So I come with an idea or a painting that we can do while encouraging people to choose first of all their own colors because when you go to when you go through life you have your own colors that express what you're feeling at the moment. So I wouldn't come to you to say use green, red and blue because we're gonna do this. Choose your mm -hmm. own colors and please feel free to express yourself in the way you want. I'm gonna show you how to do a few things. You can follow me or you can or you can do the same that I'm doing in a different version. And, and that's not going to be right or wrong. And, and, and hopefully you won't look at the person beside you so you don't compare yourself. Um, but at the same time, if you want to look at the person beside you and get inspired by what the person is doing, do it because that's art. Like, it's, it has to be free. Uh, you know, but I, also people expect me to, to show them something, to pass to them some techniques, and I, I can do that, no problem. You know, in, in at a times in which the the government society is pushing us away from each other, that we now we have legislated to be socially distancing from the people that we love. I find that getting together for find an excuse to get together. You know, I, I, one of my favorite pastimes is jujitsu, as you all know. You know, most most martial arts teach you how to punch and kick people. Jujitsu. It teaches you how to hug people <laughs> in a way that <laughs> it makes you feel close. That's why I love doing jujitsu with my kids because I get to hug them. We train other things, but uh, <laughs> you know, the, I, it, it makes me feel connected to the world, to the to people. It, it makes me feel connected to earth. And uh, when it comes to when it comes to painting, I you know I speak for personal experience. Um, 
if your family uh, gets together and they have a common element, and that is to express themselves in the in the freest of ways, in the most liberating of ways that you can do, just put take take a canvas that is white by nature and just throw some color into it with some direction from an artist herself. I mean, it's a liberating, it's a cathartic experience. And you know, it's so funny because every time we get together and we, I paint something, I keep them. They're here. They're all over my house. They're all over my office. I just have paintings. And uh, although I, I appreciate the grades, I do appreciate my feelings because that's what I put on the canvas, no? Um, you know, your your mic is off, Flaquita. Can you turn your, your microphone on? I think yeah. you can. There you go. What were you saying? Um, that uh, that's a, what, what you were saying, it, it was... Um, is a is a very good thing um when i think about pay night uh and think about bringing people together and and the way that they see i see them interacting um it it, it is sad that we need to have an excuse to do it but it is good that we can find an excuse to do it and and be together and and express ourselves and I've seen wonderful things um, in the few activities that I've done. I have another one this Saturday because I'm I'm inviting all my neighborhood because yeah. they never get together. They never want to be together. I don't know what, what's happening, but I'm like, do you want to go and paint to my place? <gasps> oh, sure. Yeah, well, let's do that. And then all of a sudden I have a bunch of neighbors wanting to come when before there wasn't any excuse and now I have one and I'd love to be able to use it in order to bring people together. That is, that is awesome. You know, any excuse that we have these days to get together as opposed to obeying the legislations and the law that tells you to stay apart, cut it out, people. Find an excuse. Find your people. Hug them. Love them. Spend time with them. Talk to them. And, you know, where can people find you, Flaca? So if somebody wants to have a paint night at home, a paint night with their friends, a paint night with their family in which they get to talk. If they want, they can have a drink. They can do whatever they want. There is in the house or your house. It doesn't matter. So how can people find you? Yeah, I can go to the house. They can have whatever they want. They can have the wine or anything. Or if you don't have a place, I have space here in my house for um, around 12 people. So you yep. can, we can do it here as well. And you can find me on Facebook. Uh, my name is uh, Jessica Aguirre Oak. Mm -hmm. You can go to my website, which is um, Jessica Carrasco. You know, my brother's yep. name, Carrasco, that tomb. And then you're going to have all my information. You can see also some of my painting there. Now, I have to warn you that most of my painting have been used to release trauma. So some people find, you, I'm not, we're not going to paint that on um, paint night. That's <laughs> I can tell you. I'm not going to teach you how to paint some of my painting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pass you some technique for you to create your own pieces. If you go to my website, you'll see some of my drawings, some of my painting, and and my information for you to to contact me. Um, and as I said, I can go to your house. You can come to mine. And and if you come to mine, I don't have wine, but you can bring your own. I'm, I have a neighbor who's bringing wine this weekend, and 
I'm like, okay. They're having, they're having a glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to have a glass. Um, if I can tell you something, Hermanito, about your art. Yep. Um, one of the things that I've seen about my brother's art, I don't know if, if it's okay for me to talk about you and your your own show. You know, you can say what you want, Flaca. This is, you know, <laughs> just go ahead. <laughs> okay. So since I was a little one, I, I saw him drawing and somehow I felt so attracted to the way he drew. Because uh, I noticed he didn't, he wasn't drawing to please people from the beginning. I learned very early in life because of the type of life we had, that through drawing, I could gain some uh, appreciation. Would that be a word? Mm -hmm. So then I started kind of looking at people's faces and thinking, oh, they like this, so I'm going to go for this. They like this, so I'm going to go for that. So I ended up like putting my drawings into a box uh, in order to, to please people and gain some appreciation for myself. And that together with a school telling me that, never telling me that I was good enough, it ended up putting my art aside. But your art, it was always for yourself. You would draw something and it would not try to please anybody. So then when we went back to art, I then again, I went to college and I started doing those perfect things that people really liked. So my drawings and my painting were always on the walls of the college because they were so good. They were so similar to the the model in front of me or stuff like that. And then again, I didn't feel happy with it. So I had to break now that trauma or of trying to please people through my art in order to do art, my art. And then is when you, you can start seeing my figures that are not that pretty in the conventional way, but they're beautiful for what they mean. And when my brother jumped into art again, he immediately jumped into art. He never tried to put, you never try to put your art into a frame of how you're going to do it for, for people to like it. It has always been for yourself. So you just keep a couple uh, wasteful steps that I took. That's all. But I, I find your art is beautiful. And I really value everybody's art for, for what they mean, for what they are. So and, and because I feel it deeply and for real inside, I think people can feel it. And they feel free to express themselves without feeling that I'm going to evaluate them because we don't need to be evaluated. Art doesn't can be evaluated uh, by anybody. Anybody who comes to you and say, oh, I would do this and that, well, then go and do it. But this is my art. You don't get into my art to tell. I don't ask for opinion. I can ask for opinion about how would I make this better. But I won't. I won't ask you if you like my art. I don't. It's not for you. It's for me. And when you do it for you, you're also gonna feel that way. So as I'm doing this, and people feel that from me, because I really feel it, I'm not faking it. They feel so free to express themselves and to surprise themselves. Oh my goodness! I didn't know I could do this. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes they just, oh, I want to go back and explore a little bit more. But it's a beautiful to provide people with a safe environment because I feel we don't have that safe environment for our soul to, to be expressed freely. And we need to find a place for us to do that. Because at the end, 
we don't have anything else for real that is not ourselves. If we don't own ourselves, then we own nothing. We have nothing that... So now uh, you have an excuse to get together. You have an excuse to express yourself without any restrictions, within, without any guidelines. And uh, if you're going to have a paint night, you can reach out to my sister. You can find her at info at jessicacarrasco.com, info at jessicacarrasco.com. Or you can call her directly because she's another crazy one like me. You can call her at 905-808-5376, 905-808-5376. And the, the effort is called a Friends and Paint. So it's art night for all all ages flaca my sister my love i love you with all my heart and uh, i am so happy that i was able to share this uh humble platform here on saturday mornings with uh with my best friends and one of the loves of my life my sister jessica thank you so much for being on the show flaca i love you you. for inviting me i love you too Okay, bye. bye. Uh, folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. We're going to take a short break. Now, don't forget the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. Lex, take us to a break, and we'll be right back. My name is Sean Avery. I love getting under people's skin, but not as much as this guy. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, hey, what's up, Toronto? When the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks under his bed for me. Ken Shamrock here, and you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Hello, Toronto. places like India, you go to places like Mongolia and Iceland and Norway, and you have Sikhs, you have Vikings, you have Genghis Khan. So what do we have in Canada? Uh, Justin Trudeau? 
can't, can't forget hockey. Can't forget hockey. <laughs> nobody cares about hockey other yeah, than in Canada. No, nobody cares about hockey other than Canada and the U.S. In no, Russia, maybe. Oh, there, there are some countries in Europe who love hockey. Sweden, Finland. Oh. Let me put it to you this way. I never heard about hockey in Chile. Like, it's not a okay. thing. But maybe not in Chile. But, but, but that's what I'm saying. You know, we we're so self-centered here in North no, America that I, we think I will that admit, I will admit, you know, even though I'm not a massive soccer fan, soccer is more of a worldwide sport than hockey. I will admit that. Of course. I mean, look at the National Stadium in downtown Santiago holds 96,000 people. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you, think, you think that hockey is big? No, it's not. Actually, you know, you go you to know, the ACs. Huh? It's actually funny because in the Philippines, hockey yeah. has been picking up steam, wow. and they're um, you guys can't hey. build ice in in the oh, Philippines. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Oh, no, on. we can. Actually, the See, the first hockey. ice hockey rink in the Philippines was in uh, the biggest mall in the Philippines at the time, called SM Mega Mall, and that mm-hmm. thing is a huge mall. But they have a new arena called the Mall of Asia Arena now in the Philippines, and that's hosted the FIBA World Basketball Championships, uh, and Canada's been there as well, and that is convertible into an NHL and international wow. hockey ice Okay, so Rex, let me, Rex, I love I love hearing that. See, Greg, it's getting bigger. It's getting no, bigger. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> let me let me ask you something. <laughs> you, were you born and raised here, Alex? I was. Yeah. Okay, so that's the problem. Um, <laughs> you know, when you look at the economies of scale, now, what do they call that thing that used to be called the ACC now? They call it the... Uh, Scotiabank Arena. Is that what it's called yeah. now? Because, you you know, yeah, it changes names every two years. So the uh, the Scotia... Scotiabank Arena. The Scotiabank Arena, when yeah. you go there to watch anything, uh, the Raptors certainly have more of a following than the Leafs do. But whenever mm-hmm. you go there, you find all the empty corporate seats. That thing holds, what, 10,000 people? But at any, at any given point... And half the seats are empty, and unless somebody goes to the playoffs, uh, and then the, the, the seats show up and they sell for twelve thousand dollars online. Have you seen this? That they're selling uh, Maple Leaf uh, games seats for twelve thousand oh, dollars online the, in the playoffs? Absolutely. Even, even the regular season is, is expensive. You know, I, I went to a, a game uh, like three years ago, and I, it cost me like four hundred bucks for it, and that was just a regular season game. And I had pretty good seats, but that was just for one ticket. Well, you see, this is the difference between, um, you know, sports. And just to give, put this in perspective, um, what do they play in, uh, in, in India? What is, the, what, there is, what is the national sport? Is it cricket? I think it's cricket. cricket. It's cricket, right? So it, let me give you an idea. Um, when the, uh, the, the, the local sports team in Santiago, Chile, that's called, there are three sports teams in Santiago. And uh, there is a rivalry, of course. Uh, one is called Colo Colo, which is a soccer team. And then you have uh, Chilean University, Universidad de Chile, which is another soccer team. And then you have uh, the Catholic University, so Universidad Católica. But whenever those two teams play in the national stadium, they will fill it up. 96,000 people, and this is just a regular season. When, when the national team plays, the country shuts down. It becomes a national holiday. You bring your weapons outside of the stadium. <laughs> you know, the Chileans came here to play with the, uh, uh, what, FC? What is it? What do you guys call the, uh, the soccer team here in, uh, in Toronto? The FC, right? Toronto. Yeah, Toronto FC. Yeah, Toronto FC. When, when Chile came to play here at the, uh, at the Montreal, uh, the, B, the BMO Montreal. Arena, yeah. there were fights, man. They ended up in jail. Do you remember this? A little while ago, oh, yeah, the, um, yeah, 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 I remember that. In, the, in the junior world cup. It was a you know, this is serious stuff, man. You don't say you don't say things about the local soccer team, that's blood. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, that doesn't happen soccer, here. Soccer really is a, a national sport. You know, it's it's really country against country. That's why the World Cup is such a huge deal because it's you know, every, everyone's you know rooting for for their country. And actually, you know, Canada did qualify for the World Cup for, in soccer for the first time, I think, in many many years. Yeah, sorry. I, mean, I, I don't see yeah. Canada winning. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying that. No, but. we we all know who the players are. We all know who's gonna win. We all know who has the best team. Who do you and think it's not win? Italy. Sorry, Italians. Okay, so who's your pick? Uh, I've look since since we were very very little in Chile, and uh, you know we're boring Jody out of his her mind. Um, since I was very little, we all knew that the Brazilian team was the absolute best team. And now, but this was through the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And, and you know, then you have Argentina that they're always bragging that they're the best, but they're yeah. not. You know, we all know. It's the same thing with Italians. Argentinians are the Italians of South America. So it's the same thing. <laughs> except that except that Italians can play soccer. Argentinians can. Oh boy, we're calling it. <laughs> Don't uh, cry for him, Argentina. Then you have Germany, and Germany—they're they, a powerhouse. And in in the in the English who who love soccer, but they can't play it either. So you know they always choke when the time comes. And you will think that I that I know anything about sport. I don't. I don't like soccer. So I'm. This is how the early indoctrination works. We know so much about this stuff that we we are force fed soccer. Uh, and uh, I, I need to go back. To, uh, I, I'm going I'm to stick back a couple of times here, uh, a couple of steps. Uh, why did you ask me if I was okay, Jody, uh, on, on text? I can't hear you. Um, I just, you know, I thought you were getting emotional. <laughs> you know, I, you know, you have siblings. I mean, money is your, do you have more brothers or he's your only brother? No, he's my younger brother. He's my, he's my only brother and I have an older sister. You know, my sister has a really interesting effect on me because, uh, you know, my relationship with her is complicated, mm -hmm. uh, but not for the reasons that you may think. You know, my sister is the only living, walking, breathing proof that whatever crap happened to us in Chile mm -hmm. actually happened. So mm -hmm. whenever I see her, it's like a reminder of all the things that we went through down there. And uh, it's, uh, it's like all my traumas, all the stuff that, you know, that took place, you know, in this terrible situation. Mm -hmm. uh, she's the only person that saw it. And was there, so it's like a reminder. But uh, yeah, man, I I can't really talk to her without going deep into my feels. It's just not a thing. I don't have, you know, whatever walls I have been able to build through life and experience. I don't, I don't. They don't work with my sister. I don't have a force field. Uh, I, um, you know, my defenses are useless. She knows my code. If that makes any sense to you, okay. you know, and uh, I, I, I can't do it. Do you have any siblings, Nick? No, I, I'm an only child, actually. Uh, I could have I could have guessed that. You, you've but, said uh, that before. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we get it. We get it. <laughs> I could have guessed that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I do. I did wish, especially when I was younger, that I would have had siblings. It's not something I think about now because, you know, now it's, you know, I, I've other other priorities um but and i know it's never going to happen you know my, my, i think my parents are definitely past that age but the, the bottom line is that yeah when i was younger i wish i would have i think uh, probably my life would have been different for the better or my childhood would have been different for the better of, of course i um you know your siblings are the ones that get you through when nobody else can they know you better than anybody <laughs> they know how to get to you better than anyone so if somebody wants to piss me off I can find the person right there. And that was my <laughs> sister. 
Because I can go from zero to a million in like, you know, a millisecond. She knows exactly what to say, how to say it. But also, you know, it's, it's so funny because, you know, last night I was, um, uh, we were, I was helping teach the, the no gi class at my jiu-jitsu school in, in Oakville. And out of the blue, my eldest son showed up, Josh. You know, he came in with his no-gi attire. Lex knows what I'm talking about. We wear spandex and we hug each other. So it's, it's hilarious. So <laughs> so he showed up and uh, at some point, inevitably, we will end up uh, rolling, which is our version of sparring, which means fighting. And um, my son and I, whenever we spar, whenever we roll to the outside, to the, to the layman, you think that we're trying to kill each other because... When there is love involved, you can be vicious. I know he will never hurt me. So we can go at it at such a level of trust that it doesn't matter what happens there. I know that my son will never hurt me and I will never hurt my son. So it's the same thing that happens with my sister. Oh, man, when we fight, we fight. <laughs> sometimes we don't talk for weeks at the time but you know that's the problem you know love is not a condition love is not temporary love is a permanent thing yeah. i don't have to like her <laughs> just like i don't have to like my kids but that foundation of love is still there where you know you could you can have a huge argument and it's not going to cause no but that doesn't change yeah. you can't change it do you find that that happens with your uh, with your siblings uh, jody you know what? I'm so I'm the middle child and I'm two years apart from my sister and I'm four and a half years apart from my younger brother. And, you know, me and my sister, we've got into fights when we were little where, you know, we've, you know, we've slapped it. Well, actually, I've slapped her. She's never hit me where I've punched my younger brother <laughs> and he's never touched me. I'm the aggressive one out of the three of us. But, you know, yeah, we, there has been times we stop talking to each other. But at the end of the day, like, that's my sibling. That's my that's my brother. That's my sister. Like, I got their back. They know no matter what happens and vice versa. Well, you know, I, uh, I can say that, you know, my sister and I are almost, almost to the day a year apart. So I was born December 1st, 71, and she was born December 11, 72. So growing up, we were very, very similar in size. So we used to beat the living crap out of each other. And, you know, the funny thing is that if anybody ever came between us, then we would turn against the world. Right. But, you know, so no one got into into our fights. And it's something that has always been the case. Like today we can we can be vicious with each other. But no, no, no. Nobody touched my sister. No, 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 no. There is a big price to pay if that takes place. Folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Just having regular conversations on a Saturday morning. Have a sip of whatever it is that, you, that you're drinking. Enjoy it. You know, we only have one trip around this crazy speckle of dust that is flying through the universe. You're taking your life too seriously. Don't. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. And by now, you should know that you owe it to yourself to come and see me before you make any car buying decisions. Lex, let's take a short break before we come back to the last segment of the Carrasco Show. Girls, by dressed in their summer clothes 
What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture. And if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. Darcy Tucker here. And if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. That's a tattoo for anybody that visits the songs. If you just did an end, you were catching the last few minutes of this radio extravaganza every single Saturday morning, the Gloria Carrasco show. You know, I, um, I, I want to send a big shout out to my friend Perry Lefko. He is a writer. And, uh, you know, I sat down with him for a few hours some time ago, and we did a full interview that ended up making it through it to the Toronto Star this morning. So there's a long story about me there, and I'm feeling very self-conscious about it because uh, we talked about things that I normally don't talk about. And uh, if, you, uh, if you get a chance, go and grab a copy of the Toronto Star, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it next Saturday. But Perry, you know, a big hug, dude. Thank you so much. I haven't read it yet, so I don't even know what was published. <laughs> I'm going to say, what did he say? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thank you. Um, I also want to thank Money Mike for opening a can of worms that I, I love, you know, sticking my hand in. To my sister for uh, talking about her new effort, you know, Friends and Paint. You can find her at info at jessicacarrasco.com and you can reach out. So if you want to get together with your family members or friends and, and paint, have a paint night, uh, you can bring your own wine. You can do that. Just reach out to her and you can talk to my sister. She's one of the coolest and smartest and brightest and most emotionally intelligent humans you will ever, ever, ever meet. So you can have an actual paint night and get psychologically uh, psychoanalyzed. <laughs> she will help you. Um, I also want to thank Nick. You know, uh, Nick is uh, today is the last day of his internship here with Saga 960. And uh, despite what you may believe, um, I'm going to miss you. Uh, oh, I know I don't. Uh, you, I, no, I, I mean, I mean uh, that. Yeah, no, I, I know. I'll, I'll miss you too. I'm going to miss everybody at the station. You know, I had a great experience uh, in this internship. It so was, it was the amazing. Ending is uh, is a is a part of life, and uh, you are on to the next stage. And hopefully, you won't forget about the poor people like us, like myself and Lex and Jody here. <laughs> and uh, when I'll, you, I'll never forget. I'll never forget you guys. <laughs> when you make it big, don't forget. Your first radio gig. Uh, here is where your voice was heard. You know, we actually cared about what you had to say. So, you know, thank you for that. I, I also want to thank my producer, Lex, for keeping it all together and uh, all the songs just coming and, uh, you know, chopping the podcast and sending it out there to the producers. And uh, and again, one of the most savage women that I know. And uh, I, I'm, I'm super happy to have you as part of, you know, my life. And uh, Jody, you're amazing. I love having you here on the show every Saturday morning. Not many people care this much. And uh, I love you because you care. And that's, um, that's amazing. It's something that I never had on any other radio station. You know, the owner of the station here with me on the show, that's amazing. You know, I'm lucky to have you here. Thank you. 
Um, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And folks, if you don't know this by now, you probably should. Um, one of the reasons why whichever company I take on becomes so successful is because of this radio show. It keeps me on. So if you are making any car buying decision and you need some help, uh, come and see me. I, I, I work at, I live at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and uh, I promise to give you the most unbiased, straightforward, ruthless advice that you will not get anywhere else. And uh, if you happen to live in Oakville, if you want to get in shape or you want to learn how to be more self-confident or if your kid is getting bullied and you want to spend some time with your children, uh, come and join my jiu-jitsu school. My, my partner, Luis Costa, and I opened up the only exclusive Brazilian jiu-jitsu school in Oakville. It's called Octa BJJ, O-C-T-A BJJ. Uh, we, we have some spots available. Uh, the school is open. It's officially open now, so you can come and see it. You can come and roll with us, and I would love to see you in the mats. Folks, thank you so much again for joining me on a Saturday morning, for indulging my uh, stream of consciousness. And... Um, uh, happy birthday to my partner Luis Costa It was his birthday this past week He turned 43 He's getting old I can see it And uh, we need to sign off Thank you so much Yet again for listening To the Greg Carrasco Show And subscribe to the podcast uh, Come and see me At Oakville Nissan There's something happening there At OakvilleNissan.com Stand above me Look my way It's been an honor serving with you all. Autobots, roll out!